Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah to Jesus. Thanks for that welcome. Come on, shout another praise to the Lord. Bless the name of Jesus. You Saturday night Christian, you, I'm glad you're here. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm glad I'm back. Aren't you glad you're a believer? And we're believers around here. This is Living Word. You're in the right place this weekend. I believe God orders your steps and mine. You know that he does. Puts us in a place and in a frame of mind just at the right time to impart something to us that's going to make uh, things better. Do something in our life that's permanent. Are you hungry for God to do something in your life? See, God moves more among the hungry than he does among the holy. People that are hungry for God, you know what I mean by that. People that crave and have a desire, have an interest. They do what it takes, even when it's cold outside, even though I know for you guys this is like a heat wave. <laughs> but I know this. I know that God does plan to do something tremendous in your life right now. Said out loud, right now. I'm in position to receive in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, go ahead and be seated. Thank you, Jesus. You guys know I love this ministry. I've been coming for quite a long time now, many years, and, and at this time of year, uh, typically. I know I've told you probably before, but I asked Pastor Mac years ago, a few years back anyway, I said, you know what, what's the deal? You only have me come in January. It's typically really, really cold, man. I've been here on record-breaking cold days for you guys. And, uh, and uh, he said, well, Dennis, he said, you're just the only guy I can get to come in January. <laughs> I'm not sure how to take that exactly, but I took it as positively as possible. Positive. <laughs> the Bible's clear about this. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. You know his presence is in this place. But you know, we also know his presence is in every place. There's no place you can go to get outside of the realm of his presence. He is everywhere. And so the point that God really points out to us is not just to be in his presence where he's there because he is everywhere, but to be in that place where we're dialed in to his presence being here so that he can impart something to us, reveal something to us, do something to us, that we receive it, that we dialed in to be in that receptive place to hear, to receive, and to experience the presence of God. We don't want to be numb to the fact that he's here we want to recognize his anointing and put ourselves in a frame of mind where we're able to receive from God. Now look, God is interested in doing dynamite things in anybody and everybody that'll take it. I want you to say it out loud. Well, Lord, I'm here to take it. Are you really? Well, if you weren't, if you just said that because I told you to, just shift right now and make it a point to put yourself in a place to receive. Every time we come into the presence of God, 
dial in like we have tonight, God intends to do something for us and in us that's life-changing. He has things that he wants to liberate in your life right now. What is it that you brought in with you that needs some adjustment, some change, some liberating? Well, it's not too late, man. It's right on time. This is the day the Lord has made. We rejoice and we're glad in it. It's our day of deliverance. It's our day for change. Say it out loud. It's my day for change. Glory to God. Do you mean that? I do too. Praise the Lord. I know you do. At the end of last year, I had the Lord point out some things to me. I was in prayer about the upcoming year. You know how you do. You just want to see what the Holy Spirit has in mind, anything he wants to tweak or say or do or emphasize in a different way. Uh, man, that's what we want. And, and God is always on the move in positive directions to lift us and to shift us, and we need it. And I had the Lord point out and, and say something to me about this upcoming year to, to make the choice and decision that I'm going into this year, first of all, fear-free, fearless. That whatever may have set in on you over the last number of months that has positioned you in a place of fear over anything, here's what the, the Scripture tells us, that we can live fearless, and have a fearless faith. And so he said, I want you to emphasize that this is a time for fearlessness. And of course, the scripture jumps into my mind in 2 Timothy 1.7 that says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Say power. That's that explosive dynamite power. That word is used to describe the the unstoppable force of a hurricane or a, or a moving army that is just overwhelming. He's given us power and love, that agape, God kind of love, no other love like it, love that's beyond feeling. It is love of choice. It is love of, that is unchangeable, the God kind of love. He's given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind a sound, solid, strengthened, empowered mind, that your mind's set. We're going to talk about some things regarding our mindset tonight. I'm going to talk to you about the movie in your mind. But I want to give you these three things. So I've got two things going. First is three things, and then there's four other things. Now, in Bible school, I learned you don't have more than three or four major points, which I'm going to do my best to do that. Not that I've ever been good at it. Never more than five points, but I try to stick with that. I just have a, several sub-points to each point. So that's how I kind of get around. So just fasten your seatbelt and pay attention and take notes. So these are the three ideas. Let me get this done. The three ideas to move into this year with that we step into this time fearless that we're judging whatever has been causing anxieties, fears, issues that would try to hold us back, that in Jesus' name, those days are over. We are fearless Amen. 
in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Now, if you tremble while you're saying it, that's all right. Keep saying it. We release our faith that it is fearless coming out of our life. But the second thing is that we would be faith-filled. That's, that's a powerful concept that this is a time to not just have faith in God. Our faith is not only in that He exists, but that He is the rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. This is what Hebrews chapter eleven six says about being faith-filled. Without faith, it's impossible. Say impossible. It's impossible to please God. Now, we live to please God. Is that true for you? But it's impossible to please God without faith. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. But that's not enough. Believing that he is is not the assignment. Even the devil believes that he is. And it's not helping him at all. It's not going to. So it's not only to believe that he is, but that he is the rewarder or a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's what we're doing here tonight. We're seeking. But it's not just a weekly event. It is a daily and it is an ongoing event of our life. It's the lifestyle that we've chosen, that we are seekers. Can you say amen to that? Faith-filled. And he is the rewarder of those who are diligently seeking him. He's interested in rewarding your life. Rewarding you with what he designed you to embrace. The very thing that is a reward to you is how he's designed you to receive from him. And so he wants that peace and that power and that sense of well-being. He wants to reward you with health. Actually, our health is not a reward. Let me correct that. It's not a reward. It is our covenant right to live in divine health. But he's given us the ability to understand that faith connects us to the things that we were wired to live in. And that is the very best that he has. Glory to God. But the last thing of these three things he told me to set my faith for for all this year to not only be fearless and walk in that fearlessness, but to be filled with faith and to be surrounded with favor, the favor of God. Psalm 512 says it this way. It says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous, and with favor you will surround him as with a shield. Isn't that powerful? Surrounded by God's favor. What is his favor? It is his greatness and his goodness showing out in your life, even in the midst of troubled times and troubled situations, that he would favor you, that when things can go two directions, it could go left or right, it goes your direction. That he favors you. Glory to God. I, I believe God for favor. When I'm headed into the parking lot of of the mall or someplace that I need to park up close, man, I need the favor of God. Do you think God wouldn't be involved in me getting a good parking place? He is involved in that. You ought to practice that. Let, that, let him show out for you too. Praise God. Some say, well, that's silly. You mean you really would pray over a parking place? Well, certainly. 
you can go ahead and drive around the block all you want. I'm just going to choose to be favored in Jesus' name. Amen. Going into this year, as I do many years and have for many years, I take Psalm, not Psalm, uh, Psalm 65 rather, Psalm 65, 11, where he says, you crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. I go ahead and take that personal. And I take it every year that God has designed this year that he would not only bless my life, but that my paths would be his path. His path drips with abundance. Glory to God. But here's what we also know about the days that we're in. We also know that these have been troubled times. There's trouble on every front, it feels like. There's nothing new about that. You know, the devil has been around a long time. And anything that he does in any place that he shows up, there's going to be issues and problems and trouble. All through Jesus' ministry, he had to deal with issues that Satan stirred up against him, stirred up trouble. Now, he walked right out through the midst of them. You remember what happened when he first preached a message? His very first time to minister the word in public ministry, he made everybody in the audience, all the religious people, that is, he made all of them mad to the point that they wanted to throw him off a cliff. You remember that event? But the Bible says that he just turned. I'd love to have seen this. He just turned and walked right through the midst of all those people that hated him and wanted to kill him. There's something about the power of God and the ways of Jesus that he gives us the power to walk through the adversity, not always exempting us from adversity, but he gives us the power to walk through it with success and peace. And he came out on the other side of that unscathed completely. They couldn't put a hand on him. First John chapter 5 and verse 18, I believe it is in the message translation says that we are the God begotten and the God protected. The evil one cannot lay a hand on us. Glory to God. And I've made that like a mantra. We are the God, I'm the God begotten and I'm the God protected. The evil one can't lay a hand on me in Jesus' name. Can't lay a hand on you either if you'll take hold of the word on that. But here's what Jesus said. This is right at the end of, of Jesus' ministry. This is one of the final things that he'll say to his disciples before he's arrested in the, in the garden and taken into the courts and then ultimately murdered. Thank God raised from the dead. But he said this in John 16, 33. I'm going to read this from the Passion Translation where he said, For in this unbelieving world you will experience trouble and sorrows. Have you found that to be true? Come on, are you still here? Of course, we have found that to be true. He said, you'll experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. Glory to God. Say it out loud, I'm courageous, because Jesus has conquered the world. He gives us the right to have an attitude about the days that we're in. That what happens to some doesn't happen to me. That 
plague may come near some, but it doesn't come near me in Jesus' name. Now, it's interesting when you look at what was going on around Jesus when he made that actual statement in these, these final words in chapter 14, 15, 16 of John here. There was an enemy already coming his way. I mean, as he's uttering these words, Judas has already sold him out and a mob was headed towards where Jesus and the other disciples were having this last time together. And all of the strategies of hell were descending on Jesus. You see, you have to understand that there was a point in time in history where God had something to say about the devil. Genesis 3.15, all the way back in the very beginning, God said to the devil, he said that one is going to come that will crush your head. And from that point forward, Satan was looking for the one that God would use so that he could descend upon that one and destroy that person before that person would come and destroy Satan's work. He'd been looking until the voice of the Father came out of heaven when Jesus came up out of the waters of baptism and God the Father said, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now everybody knew all those there when Jesus heard that and all of the kingdom of darkness heard it, that Jesus was now the one that the Father had spoken of all the way back in Genesis. And now all the pressure was on Jesus. Satan had descended just on him to destroy him. Thought he had him. And in the midst of this dark time, Jesus said, I have conquered the world. Doesn't matter how dark it gets for you, how dark it seems, how many clouds gather against you, how Satan has tried to array things against you. The truth is that you take God's word, you stand courageous by faith, not in, in fear, taking hold of God's word and imposing it on the situations you're in. And you have the right to expect God's delivering power, fearlessness, full of faith, surrounded by favor, courageous in the presence of whatever's going on, and you lay hold on the power of God to see things turn around. I just want to encourage you tonight, man. I think these days are amazing days. They're not easy days. They are amazing days. Days that we've been designed to live in and we're watching some things unwrap and unfold before us that to the uninitiated would strike fear, but we've come to understand that we live by faith, that we live in a different kingdom, that we're not of this world, we're in it, we're not of it, we're not controlled by it even though it tries to control us, we're not controlled by the politics, by the spirit of the world, or by the fear of this planet, but we are under the presence and the power of Almighty God. Now, you know all this. But I want to take you into a study tonight, and we're going to do it quickly because you're the Saturday night crowd and you can take it quick. 
I want to take you through a study, though, of, of a man named Asaph from Psalm 77 who tells us some things about these days amazingly and how we can navigate through some real tough times with some very powerful but easy-to-understand tools of the kingdom of God. So in Psalm 77, let me read first of all in the first three verses because Asaph who was a very powerful man himself. He was actually appointed by King David to be the chief worshiper and the leader of those who were worshiping in the temple at that time. So he was quite a mature man of God, but he said this in verse 1. He said, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me, and in the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night season without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. Now that caused me to pause when I read that because that doesn't sound like the thing I want to refuse. I want to embrace God's comfort, but he was not allowing the presence of God and reaching into God to actually comfort him. So something was amiss. And he's given us a window into this whole scene for him it's very powerful. But he goes on and he said, I remembered God and I was troubled. How is it you would remember God and be troubled? Because possibly you're remembering that God has done something for some people, but it doesn't seem like he's doing anything for me. That could have been the mindset. It could have gone in various directions, but something was amiss. And he's given us a window into where he was at and how he was not receiving, really. So then he said, I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. This is an amazing prescription for how to be overwhelmed and stay defeated. Reach out to God, but receive nothing. Remember God and let it trouble you instead of comfort you. And then go ahead and complain about how bad it is and how much worse it's getting. You know, you listen to some people talk. Now, probably nobody that shows up on Saturday night, but I know tomorrow morning, in the morning, Sunday morning services, there's going to be some people here that are complainers. None of you guys, you don't look like complainers tonight. Don't get smug, though. I'm going to pick on you tomorrow morning. You're going to come tomorrow and check it out. <laughs> Some Christians, however, sound just like non-Christians when it comes to complaining. Man, they can complain with the best of them. Complain about how bad it is, complain about the traffic, complain about driving, complain about people, complain about the money, complain about the Democrats, complain about the Republicans, complain about the president, complain about the governors, complain about everything. And you know, some people give us a lot to complain about. But it is a prescription for how to stay overwhelmed. So he's given us this window. In fact, it goes further. You drop down to verse 7. He goes further into why he would be overwhelmed. In verse 7 he says, he starts to ask questions. He has six questions. And these six questions pretty well summarize all unbelief, it seems like. He said, will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? 
Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. Think about all that. Now look, here's what we know. Those questions, and they're easy to answer. They all have the exact same answer. It's a resounding no. None of these questions that he's asked would be answered yes. They're all answered no. God has not forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten to be gracious. He hasn't forgotten his mercy. He hasn't forgotten to show up. He knows how to do what he does, and he can do it well. But this is the mindset that describes how some people find themselves thinking without maybe saying it quite that bluntly. Doesn't seem like God's really doing anything. Is it doing any good to pray? Am I, you know, I believe in prayer, and we believe in the power of God. We believe in the healing power of Jesus, but uh, nothing seems to be changing. Now, I could spend a long time on that. I'm not going to, because I want to get to the solution that he gives us, and it is three points that really refers to what I've called and what I'm calling here tonight the movie in your mind. The first is where he begins in verse 10 and he said, I said, this is my anguish, but... Everybody say, but. but. You realize everything before the but is about to be changed by what comes right after the but. That's what but does. It changes things. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Now look at this. He said, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. God has given us a capacity, every one of us, amazing capacity mentally to remember and to imagine. He goes on to talk about the imagination in this way. In verse 12, he starts out and says, I will also meditate on all your works. That word meditate in some translations actually is translated imagine. I will imagine your works. Let me talk to you about those two elements, the memory and the imagination. The memory is the replay, isn't it? It's the replay of your past. It's the replay of what has taken place prior to these current events. It's the replay of, in a lot of people's case, the way they use their memory. It's the replay of how things went bad or how people abused them or how they said things about them. The replay of certain events that were hurtful or painful or problematic. The replay of what has not happened right. And people get caught up in the replay and they stay on a loop of that replay. And it continues to feed their fear rather than feed their faith. So he said, I'm going to change the replay from replaying what I feel in myself, and I'm going to replay the works of the Lord. Maybe these were works that had happened in his own life, but maybe it was what happened in somebody else's life. Scripture's full of the examples and stories of what God did in history. Uh, the Exodus, for example, that's used throughout Scripture, of God doing the most dramatic miracle you could possibly imagine, it seems, dividing the sea wide open where they walked across on dry ground, dry ground, yep. dry ground, 
And then that divided sea came crashing in on that enemy, the Pharaoh and his army, and destroyed the enemy that was coming against him. What an amazing thing to remember. You see, if you will change the replay, you can change the preplay. Your imagination is the preplay of what is yet to come. It is the meditation. It's not meditating on the past. It's meditating on the days ahead based on the present Word of God. We take God's Word and allow that to create a picture, a movie, really, of the way things can be in the days ahead based on what we choose to receive right now. And if we will modify the replay to feed the preplay, then we can preplay the results of God doing amazing things in the very near future like in the next few minutes or in the days ahead or in the weeks to come. If you continue with the replay of what went wrong or what you do not want to see happen, but it did happen, and if that continues to resonate in your mind, you keep your brain in a place, even physically, you keep your brain in a place that it is getting stronger and stronger over the things that you've come to hate. But if we shift this, if we flip the script so that we're not replaying those issues, yeah, they happened, we're not pretending they didn't, but we're just locking in to a different choice so that we can begin to preplay God's promise what has happened in others, testimonies. This is why testimonies can be such a powerful thing for us. Other people's experience in God, what God did for others when he healed one. If I know he healed one, I know he'll heal me. If he healed someone, he's willing to, to heal you right now tonight. There's power in this place. So it creates a movie in your mind. And if you'll allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in your head, it can begin to create new neuroplasticities in your brain. New wires. Now, these are big words. I hope you're impressed because I think I pronounced it correctly. But uh, it creates new wires, new electrical circuits in your head physically. Man, this stuff has been done by researchers and it can be seen, literally seen in the human brain. You know this. The, the science of this is just phenomenal. And the more that you continue to think those thoughts based on the kind of replay that you've chosen, now you have a preplay of the promise of God really coming to pass in your life. You reinforce it with your own words. You know, there's parts of your brain that respond only to data you've already received in your brain that you pull up or the sound of your own voice. Those two sources only create some of these connectors that bring real power into the way you think. And the more we think in harmony with the Holy Spirit, the more our brain cooperates with the plans that God has for our future. 
We want God's best in the days ahead. You can create a movie in your own mind of God doing amazing things. If you couldn't walk, you can begin to see that you do walk. If you were in fear over anxieties and different issues that have gone on in the past that you haven't been able to resolve, yet you can now envision and imagine that God is at work on your behalf, in your family, in your marriage, in your children, in the days ahead, your job situation, your finances, however this needs to go, God has given you his word that he is the rewarder of those who will diligently, diligently seek him. Glory to God. So we take, we take authority over the movie of our own mind. And we let the replays create the preplays so that we have the experiences that God promised and declared that we could live in. Can you say amen to that? Let me give you one last passage on this from Psalm 139, verse 5. Here's what he says there. This, again, is in the Passion Translation, where he said, You've gone into my future to prepare the way, and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. Your hand of love upon my life, or with your hand of love upon my life, you impart blessing. Said out loud, God has imparted blessing to me. Isn't that a powerful passage? He's gone into the future to create something in your, in your experience. He's even gone into your past to prevent it from harming you one moment longer. Glory to God. Can you say amen to this? Stand with me if you would. I need to pray over you. There's an anointing in this place for real supernatural things to happen. And I want you to receive it tonight in the name of Jesus. Lift your hand right before the Lord, would you please? Father, here we stand in your presence. We stand here as receivers and I pray that every man and woman in the sound of my voice in this audience or in the online audience in the name of Jesus, that that anointing is reaching right into our soul, right into our own brain, flipping the script of the movie in our own mind based on the histories that you've given us so we can create the answers and the results in the days ahead. I pray for something supernatural to happen right now in Jesus' name. Will you receive that right now? Say it out loud. I do receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's healing in this house. There's salvation in this place. God's come to deliver any person that wants and takes hold of his answer for their life. He's our answer. Say it out loud. He's my answer. Now, there's some people, maybe you've come tonight, maybe somebody brought you or you've slipped in here tonight checking things out. Man, we're glad you're here. We really are. But maybe you've never actually personally settled that you belong to God forever, that Jesus is actually the Lord of your life, that you've given yourself to Him. You've given Him your past, present, and future to make Jesus the Lord of your life. This is what has to happen. Every person has to make a choice 
every person. Nobody can make a choice for you when it comes to these things. This is something you have to choose yourself for Jesus to be Lord of your life. And if you're here tonight and have not made a clear, settled choice that Jesus is Lord of your life, you're in the right place at the right time and God is pulling on you right this moment. You know he is. You feel it on the inside. You wonder, is this what I'm to do? It absolutely is what you're to do. And this is why you're here tonight, to make a firm and final choice that you're drawing a line in your own life, that this is the moment that you're going to turn your life into the hands of the one who created you. He loves you, and he's got plans for your life beyond anything you've dreamt. But you have to make the choice. You say, Dennis, I believe this is my time, and I'm taking that step. I want to make that choice. Would you pray for me? If you'd like me to pray for you right now, and I'm about to do that for everybody that will lift their hand. You raise your hand now. You say, Dennis, I want Jesus as the Lord of my life, and I'd like you to pray for me. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand, and we're going to make Jesus. We're going to stand with you here together. Anybody at all? You make Jesus the Lord of your life tonight. Yes, right up in the balcony here. Somebody else? I thought I saw somebody else's hand. I'm looking as best I can. Anybody else? Now, raising a hand is not the only thing that the Bible really tells us to do. In fact, Scripture doesn't tell us to raise our hand at all over this. It tells us to make a statement that we would believe that Jesus is the Lord of our life that we believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead. And I want to lead you in something. In fact, I'd like everybody in this audience to say this right out to God. And you that raised your hand, or if you needed to, I want you to say this right out to God. In fact, let's raise our hands together, every single one of us here. We all raise our hands to you, Lord, and say this right to him. Oh, God, here I stand. I believe that Jesus is Lord of all. And that he's been raised from the dead. Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. I give you all of my past, all of my sin, all of my brokenness. I give you myself, my past, my present, and my future. And I make you Lord and King right now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your greatness. Come into my life as I step into your life. I make you Lord Jesus. I'm yours now. You're mine now and forever. I declare these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That's the real deal. Every one of us in this audience has done exactly that. Now, if you've made that declaration and you've made that decision tonight, I want you to find somebody here tonight before you leave the building. Maybe come forward. There, there'll be people available here for you. And just connect with them and let them know this decision that you've made. This is an important part of what we do. Doesn't mean you're joining the church, although it'd be a good idea, I think, if you did. 
but it just means you are making yourself clear before God and before people that Jesus is now Lord of your life. Oh, it's a great thing. Amen. Amen.